Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you every weekday. Now here's your host. Shane Begum with you on this Monday, February the 12th, 2024. You're listening to a special holiday edition of the Beijing Hour, coming to you live from the Chinese capital. On today's program, China's on the move during the Spring Festival holiday, with people making hundreds of millions of trips on Sunday alone. We'll look at the Tibetan New Year, which landed on the same day as Spring Festival. Local media in Gaza say Israeli attacks on the southern city of Rafah have killed at least 100 people. And the Kansas City Chiefs have cemented their status as a dynasty with another uh, victory at the Super Bowl. In the second half of the program, we'll look at how the artistic journey of a Chinese Cameroonian couple has fostered a living bond between China and Africa. Now the day's top stories. Travelers in China made 230 million trips on Sunday, the second day of the Chinese New Year holiday. Over 200 million trips were road trips. Uh, data from online tra uh, travel services show that most of the popular destinations are in the southern parts of the country. One of the hot spots is Guangzhou. The city is offering cultural events to attract holidaymakers. Omar Khan has more. A surge in travel across the entire country. Of course, Guangzhou, parts of Guangdong, seeing a lot of travelers come in. Now, a few numbers to share with you. 150 at major seating spots across the province of Guangdong have welcomed 789,000 visitors. Obviously, we're waiting for more data to come out as it's rolling as this uh, Chinese New Year goes on. That was a 16% year-on-year increase. And worth noting, going back to 2019, that figure of nearly 800,000 visitors on the first day is up around 2.5% percent compared to 2019. Now, according to those officials who run culture and tourism activities, everything so far here uh, in Guangdong has been running smoothly, safely, and as planned. Now, in terms of official events, uh, there are over 20 being hosted across the province. Travel data from those platforms, I'll refer to Feiju, uh, they're seeing tier two and tier three cities across the province here in Guangdong, uh, seeing travel rates go up by over 20%. So obviously, people going to smaller towns connecting with the local culture uh, and part of those activities you have cultural performances of course dragon dances uh, musical performances museums seeing an uptick in people visiting uh, and around three weeks ago uh, these provincial authorities they held a major event trying to drive uh, consumer spending and consumption uh, issuing vouchers hotels airfare uh, travel packages all seeing discounts some of these measures will also last not only during the Chinese New Year uh, but throughout most of the year. That was Omar Khan in Guangzhou on this year's holiday travel in the city. The Tibetan New Year fell on the same day as the Spring Festival, and people are praying for good luck in the year ahead. A Guatianxi traveled to a Tibetan autonomous prefecture in southwest China to find out about the traditions. The mountains nearby the city of Kangding used to provide the major source of drinking water for locals. On the first day of Tibetan New Year, fetching the water is still part of local tradition. We have to wait in line at night. There aren't so many people in the morning. Whoever gets the first pail of water will have really good luck this year. First, we use this water to pay our respects to the Buddha. Then the whole family drinks it. I drove an hour to get the water. There are three Tibetan Buddhist temples in Kangding. Many people take the whole family to the temples to pray for a good year, a ritual also shared in Han areas. 
The three of us were all here to pray for good luck for the whole family. I hope this ritual continues into my son's generation. I came here to pray for the peace and the happiness of my family throughout the year. In the new year, I hope the children study and work is successful and very smooth. Tibetan New Year has always been a festival combining entertainment and worship. The local government organized different performances for the public, such as Tibetan operas, line dances, and singing. The performance will continue for seven days, including artists and performing style from different ethnic groups. And in rural areas, there will also be horse racing and guodrong dancing competitions to celebrate the traditional spring festival and Tibetan New Year together. And that was Guo Tianqi reporting. The annual Spring Festival Travel Rush in China is the world's largest human migration as hundreds of millions of people return home to reunite with their families. Well, this year, trips made during the season may hit a record high of 9 billion, including 480 million railway journeys. Managing the transportation needs of a, a, such a vast population poses a formidable challenge for railway staff. For a deeper look into the bustling scenario, uh, scenario Zheng Tao followed a bullet train driver on the Beijing Harbin route to find out what goes on behind the scenes. Now it's 5.30 a.m. and it's completely dark outside and it's freezing cold. I'm extremely drowsy as well. Today I have a special mission that is following a bully train driver to find out what exactly a bully train driver normally does during the spring travel rush. Uh, Long Yang became a train driver over 10 years ago. In early 2021, he drove the first train as the high-speed railway linking Beijing and Harbin in northeast China started service. Over the past years, it's usual for him to spend the spring festival driving a train. Hours before our journey, we met at a place where we could uncover the secrets of how bully trains are kept in good shape. And here I am at a vast empty place where I can see rows of train trucks laying on the ground. I don't know about you, but this is the first time for me to be here in this so-called bully train station. I used to think that bully trains are supposed to park somewhere next to the train station, but actually this place known as bully train station is around 10 kilometers away from the train station. So, what exactly is this place? Every night, the bullet trains are rolling here for maintenance. The drivers take them out of the station early the next morning and bring them back here after their shift. During our conversation, Tong emphasized the safety several times, something people call the essence of a train driver's life. For such a Colossus capable of speeds of up to 300 kilometers per hour, even its driver feels a sense of awe. The train we are going to ride today is scheduled to leave Beijing at around um, 8 a.m. And bullet train drivers need to be on duty two hours earlier. Before departure, bullet train drivers are required to take a number of tests uh, in order to ensure that all the passengers are in safe hands. For bullet train drivers, getting familiar with the day's weather 
is one of the first tasks to kick off their work. Bullet trains run on power from the cable above. If a strong wind blows objects onto the cable, it can disrupt the connection, which is really risky. That's why bullet train drivers have to stay super focused while they are driving. The bullet train is on its way to Shenyang, located halfway between Beijing and Harbin. With its high-speed route put in service three years ago, the travel time between Beijing and Shenyang has been halved from five hours to around two and a half. To ensure safe operation, drivers spend around 20 minutes checking and testing all the equipment before departure. Once we've finished all the tests, we will let our colleagues at the station know, and then we will start moving the train out slowly at the speed of five kilometers per hour. A safe, smooth, and comfortable train ride requires coordination among drivers, attendants, and maintenance workers. For them, the annual Spring Festival travel season means more shifts, longer work time, and heavier workload than usual. This year, Cong Longyang and his workmates are facing more pressure. Besides returning migrants, there is also a notable surge in tourists after Northeast China became a popular destination this winter. I'm from Zhongshan, Guangdong province. I've brought my kid along. We've already visited the Palace Museum and the Great Wall in Beijing, and we're planning to see the Imperial Palace in Shenyang. We come to Harbin at least twice a year, once in winter and then in summer. The scenes are different, but equally beautiful. Meng Chi, with over 10 years of work experience, is an attendant on Cong Yang's train. She says the rise in passenger flow is evident, and they are ready to embrace it. Compared to last year, we're seeing a much bigger crowd of passengers. Spurred by the Spring Festival travel rush, there is also a huge increase in trans-regional travelers. After three years of disruptions due to the COVID-19 pandemic, the current passenger traffic is at a record high. At Shenyang Station, Cong Longyang hands over his train to the next driver. Because of the demanding nature of their work, high-speed train drivers must take a break every four hours. When I bumped into him again on the return trip, he looks refreshed. I'm pretty worn out after finishing my shift, but I'm in good spirits. There's this sense of fulfillment knowing I've safely transported all these passengers to their destinations. I'm from Heilongjiang province, and I'm genuinely happy to help people get back home safe and sound. The number of trips made during this year's Spring Festival travel rush is estimated to be twice as many as last year. It's because of the sacrifices by railway workers like Cong Longyang and Meng Chi that migrants and tourists can enjoy a nice trip. That's what people call the greatness of an ordinary job. For the Beijing R, this is Jiang Tao. China's cumulative box office during the Spring Festival holidays topped 3 billion yuan, or roughly 147 million U.S. dollars. Comedy YOLO is leading the chart with nearly a third of the share. It was also the highest-grossing film on Sunday, having generated over 370 million yuan on the second day of the holiday.
movie tells the story of an unemployed 200-pound woman who changes her life by becoming a boxer. Domestic comedy drama Pegasus 2 came in second, grossing nearly 320 million yuan on the same day. Animated film Boonie Bear's Time Twist claimed third spot, securing nearly 208 million yuan. London's joined worldwide celebrations for the Chinese New Year. People took part in a parade from Trafalgar Square to Chinatown, and Catherine Drew was at the event. Slightly wet weather did not dampen the gathering in London to welcome in the Year of the Long. In a multicultural city, this is an annual highlight. This UK-based dance troupe from Chatham had recently decided to join the parade with parents of the young dancers perfecting the art of dragon handling on the job. Everyone seems to love it. We're doing a great job. The team is amazing. Hard work. It is hard work. It's it's good fun. The parade attracts people from around the world. For those that live in the UK, it's an important opportunity to share their culture. What are you doing today? Uh, We join the community in Chinatown and serve Chinese here. We are part of the lion here. Uh, this is our culture, we follow our rules. London claims to host the largest Lunar New Year celebrations outside of Asia. Tens of thousands of people are here, all celebrating the Year of the Long. The dragons are, are very real, like they jump around and move around and people can actually have a touch of it. It's very nice. It, it's fun, isn't it? Because London's a very multicultural city, so lots of people come out, don't they? Yeah, these? yeah, yeah. Lots of um, people from all around the world. I, I see some from Europe, different parts of Europe. It's a spectacle welcomed by all, no matter where people are from. I liked it when they um, were tw- they had really long sleeves and they would twirl all around. It. I liked the part where there was like this this dragon on like this stand. It's really hard. Stand up. Yeah. Yeah, like what about that. the drumming? It's loud, isn't it? Yeah, I like the music. You it's like good. the music? Both Britain's King Charles and Prime Minister Rishi Sunak sent letters of warm wishes and congratulations to London's Chinese community as they welcomed in the New Year in style. The showcase of cultural events taking place in London's iconic Trafalgar Square, bringing together professional international performers and community groups alike. That was Catherine Drew celebrating the Chinese New Year in London. Coming up, Israeli attacks in Rafah have killed at least 100 so far. Hey everyone, Jason Smith here, host of The Bridge. Hey guys, this is He Yang with Roundtable. This is Xu Wen with World Today. May the year of the Chinese dragon bring you a tide of strength, success, and good fortune. May you be great and unstoppable as a dragon soaring through the oceans. And I want to wish you, your families and loved ones, good luck, happiness, and prosperity in the new year. I would like to wish you and may you achieve great success in your endeavors. Happy Chinese New Year! Sixteen minutes past the hour. Well, local media say Israeli attacks have killed more than 100 people in Rafah and injured hundreds more. The army launched strikes from the air, sea, and land in the southern Gaza city. More than a million people are sheltering in Rafah after being driven in from elsewhere in the coastal enclave. Hamas has said it could end negotiations for prisoner swaps if Israel continues ground operations in the city. Noor Harazin's been staying in Rafah and witnessed the attacks. 
Even though Palestinians here in Rafah were preparing themselves for an Israeli attack, however, most of them actually thought that there will be a coordination, Israeli-Egyptian coordination, where there be an evacuation orders for the more than 1.5 million people who are now uh, currently living in Rafah. But this did not happen. The Israeli forces launched a series of Israeli airstrikes in northern and eastern uh, Rafah. And densely populated uh, areas. Uh, two of the airstrikes targeted uh, mosques in uh, central and uh, west uh, Rafah. Other airstrikes targeted dozens of homes while the people were actually inside the homes. Right now we are inside the Al-Kuwaiti hospital. We were all sleeping. Suddenly, the children were jolted out of their sleep because of the loudness from the shelling and shooting from the quadcopter drones on our tents. Despite all the shelling around us, we miraculously got out. But I don't know what happened to the others there, because everyone was trying to escape for their own and their children's survival. Most of the areas that were targeted in the latest Israeli strikes are actually densely populated residential areas. This is the situation inside the Al-Kuwaiti hospital, which is located in uh, Rafah, in the heart of uh, Rafah now, following the uh, series of Israeli strikes on the uh, city. That was Noor Harazin reporting. Rafah's key crossing for food and medicine into Gaza. Prior to Israel's attack on the city, neighboring Egypt had warned of the consequences of such an assault. It's shored up defenses and sent tanks and armored vehicles to the border. Adel Al-Maruki has Cairo's reactions. The Egyptian Foreign Ministry released a statement rejecting all the announcement by senior Israeli officials about um, their intentions and plan uh, to conduct military operations in Rafah. Egypt has warned against um, this massive step and what uh, violations to international law it represents. Uh, there has been also an earlier um, statement by the Egyptian State Information Service, uh, where the head of which um, has stated that um, such military operations, especially when it comes closer to the Egyptian border, is considered a violation to the peace treaty between Egypt uh, and Israel. Besides that, the Egyptian foreign ministry is concerned about the implications it will have. Um, the uh, statement says that this is a clear um, proof that the intentions or the fears for forcefully displacing or migrating Palestinians away from Gaza into Egypt are becoming true. There is nowhere else for this nearly 1.5 million in Rafah to go. They can't go definitely back homes where everything has been bombarded completely with infrastructure completely destroyed. So the only option is for the Palestinians when the Israeli attacks come closer to them is to breach the Egyptian border and come into it forcefully. And that is something that Egypt is very concerned about and has repeatedly uh, warned against. Beside that, um, the foreign ministry says it is coordinating with regional powers, um, trying to push forward a ceasefire immediately, fearing the implications of the attacks on Rafah. That was Adel Al-Maruki reporting from Cairo. Al Israel says it's rescued two hostages held by Hamas in an overnight raid. An Israeli hospital official says both are in stable condition. The Israeli army says the hostages were kidnapped by Hamas militants back in October. The hostages were rescued from a residential building in Rafah in a raid. They're the second and third hostages to be rescued safely. Israel says around 100 hostages still remain in Hamas captivity.
Alexander Stubb of the National Coalition Party has narrowly won the Finnish presidential election. The former Finnish prime minister secured 51% of the vote in the final round with all ballots counted. Independent Green candidate Pekka Havisto obtained 48%. Stubb will be sworn in as the 13th president of Finland on March 1st, replacing Sauli Ninisto. So there'll be a lot of briefings, a lot of practicalities to go through. I feel quite comfortable with starting uh, in the sense that I work with two presidents very closely, Tarja Halonen when I was foreign minister and then Sauli Niinistö when I was uh, trade minister, Europe minister, prime minister and finance minister. So I have a pretty good picture of what the job entails and I'll prepare for it and I'll give the best that I have uh, for the next six years, every day. Presidential elections held in Finland every six years. Nine candidates competed in the initial round on January 28th, with the top two advancing to the final round. U.S. media say Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin is back in hospital and in an intensive care unit in Washington. The Pentagon says he's receiving treatment for symptoms suggesting an emergent bladder issue. The hospital says it's unclear how long the 70-year-old will remain hospitalized. The defense secretary has transferred duties to his deputy, Kathleen Hicks. Austin came under criticism for failing to disclose a cancer diagnosis and subsequent hospitalizations in recent months. Coming up, another Super Bowl victory for the Kansas City Chiefs. Dive into news like never before with Deep Dive, the podcast from CGTN Radio. Join our global reporters for captivating stories and thought-provoking conversations. Search Deep Dive on your favorite podcast platforms and get ready to dive in. We're at 22 minutes past the hour. The Kansas City Chiefs have won their third Super Bowl in five years after a 25-22 win in overtime against the San Francisco 49ers. Patrick Mahomes threw a touchdown pass to McCole Hardman to make the Chiefs the NFL's first repeat champions since the New England Patriots back in 2005. Mahomes produced a 75-yard game-winning drive, which helped him earn uh, most valuable player honors for a third time. Marathon world record holder Kelvin Kiptum has died in a road tra- a car crash at the age of 24. Kiptum was driving from Kaptagat to Eldoret in western Kenya when his car rolled. His Rwandan coach was also killed while the woman passenger was injured. Kiptum ran a world record two hours and 35 seconds in Chicago last October. He was competing in only his third marathon. Kiptum had announced he would attempt in April to become the first man to run the official marathon under the two-hour mark. The 12-team field for the Women's Olympic Basketball Tournament in Paris this summer is now complete. Germany will make history when they appear at the Games for the first time. The last tickets to the Olympic Games were claimed on Sunday by Canada, Germany, Japan, Serbia and Spain. China also qualified for the Games. The Women's Olympic Basketball Tournament in Paris will take place from July 29th to August the 11th. The gray seal experienced a drastic drop in numbers last century, but is experiencing a seal baby boom on the UK's east coast thanks to protection measures. Kitty Logan has more. Seals scattered along the beach as far as the eye can see. Over 3,000 born since the breeding season began in November, and many more are due soon. But seal pups are very vulnerable. Human disturbance can be harmful, even fatal, 
if it causes a mother to abandon her young. A charity helps protect newborns, raping off parts of the beach. This is a really crucial stage. Absolutely crucial. The first six weeks of its life, if it can survive the first six weeks of its life and end up nice and fat, it's got a good chance. Two decades ago, fewer than 100 seals were found here. Now, there's a steady increase in numbers returning each year. There's females coming to season about three or four years old, and uh, once they're mated, they come in, and a year later, they give birth on the, on the beach where they, were, where they were born themselves. A dedicated team of volunteers counts every seal. It's precise, focused work births carefully logged. We've got um, about 100 newborn and about over 500 pups all together and we're only just about a third of the way the section that we're doing. But it can be hard to keep up. Plentiful fish stock and a lack of predators is helping the seal boom. Grey seals are the rarest of all the seal species. Up to 50% of them are found in the waters off the British Isles. And here on the Norfolk coast, they are breeding in record numbers. But it's a full-on fight for survival. Bulls tussle for territory, defending their female conquests, chasing rivals out to sea. Seal pups also have a nose for trouble. Sadly, some don't survive. Those that do grow up fast, shedding their white fur and tripling body weight in three weeks of feeding. Then they're on their own. At six weeks, they turn grey, ready to head out to a new life at sea. I think as far as uh, I can look ahead, um, this, the future should be pretty bright. They've got plenty of fish in the sea, obviously, they're feeding well. They've got wonderful beaches all around Norfolk and, well, all around England. Next year, there should again be thousands of pups emerging in these dunes, if they have the protection they need. That was Kitty Logan on the grey seal population in the UK. The founder of a Colombian chocolate producer says her company has been benefiting from the expanding Chinese market. China's become the largest export market for Lock Foods Company. A company founder, Maria Angulo, took part in the 6th China International Import Expo in November. I was in love with China since I went in 2023. I was very surprised and happy. I was impressed about the security. You can walk any time, any hour of the day. But the most important thing is that when I went to China, I was impressed by its people. Angulo says that uh, chocolate products from Lock Foods have been showcased at every CIIE since the first one back in 2018, when the company decided to expand its business into China. Uh, she says the CIIE has boosted the company's confidence in rolling out more recipes, as its sales have kept growing at a double-digit rate. Angulo adds that uh, the chocolate producer will expand cooperation with Chinese e-commerce platforms and launch new gift boxes. It's been very good and it's growing every day. For the Chinese New Year, uh, we are going to launch a, a very special gift box for our customers. And I, I am very confident that every day uh, Lok will be a better brand and a bigger brand in China. Angula says she's preparing for her company's participation in the 7th CIIE this year with newly developed products to meet Chinese consumer demand.
We're at 28 past the hour. Checking the forecast before we go for the day. Beijing down to minus 3 on Monday evening. Tuesday will be sunny and 14. Nanchung's down to 6 degrees. Tomorrow has a light rainfall and 19. Elsewhere in Asia, Islamabad's at 9 this evening, then sunny and 25. Vientiane's down to 17 degrees, then sunshine and 29. Phnom Penh's at 21 overnight, cloudy and 33 tomorrow. In Africa, Nairobi is going to be cloudy with the high of 29 degrees on Tuesday. Kampala's at 19 overnight, then a light rainfall and 26. Juba's down to 28. It's overcast and 40 tomorrow. And finally to Oceania, Port Vila's 24 this evening, then a light rainfall and 31. And that's it for this edition of the Beijing Hour. In the second half of the program, we'll look at how the artistic journey of a Chinese Cameroonian couple has fostered a living bond between China and Africa. On behalf of the staff, this is Shane Begum in the Chinese capital, hoping you'll join us for the next edition of the Beijing Hour and open a window to the world together. Experience the musical classics of the East. Mingle with the masters of Chinese music. Music talks. Witness the sound of antiquity and modernity. We all enter this world with a universal greeting. We then learn to speak. Though our languages, cultures, and traditions may differ, we still share one thing in common. We have hope for humanity and the world. General Railway Company Deutsche Director of the International Hear the difference with CGTN Radio. Join our global network to connect with the world. CGTN Radio. Hear the difference. I love you. 我爱你. This might be the easiest way to say I love you, since there are so many other romantic expressions. No matter if you're a rookie, 你好, or a sophisticated learner, 我来北京五年了, there is definitely something that will interest you. Check out Takeaway Chinese, a world that starts with 你好. From north to south, east to west, people in China are chasing their dreams and leaving their mark. Want to know how they beat the odds and made a difference? Footprints brings you the true life stories of their journeys. On stage, under a slowly brightening spotlight, a male dancer begins to move rhythmically. Soon, a female dancer joins him. Together, they weave a tapestry of movement, capturing the essence of an intimate relationship, pulling together and breaking apart, close yet distant, at times independent, at times embracing. Their movements take the audience on an emotional journey. The dancers Zhang Keyu from China and Simon Abe from Cameroon got married after completing this stage work called Dislocation in 2012. Since then, their bond continues to inspire both on and off stage. Born in 1983, Simon Abe's love for dance began in his childhood, deeply rooted in the rich cultural environment of Cameroon. My childhood was really fun because 
we grew in I grew up in the city of Yaoundé and it was an amazing place because uh, there's a, a big traffic of different culture. Cameroon have uh, more than 200 dialects and uh, small um, tracts also. So it's really rich, many languages, many foods, many kind of clothes, many kind of uh, colors and way of doing things. Located in Central West Africa, Cameroon is renowned for its football, indigenous music and diverse landscapes. For Simon, these rich cultural tapestries painted his early days. Dancing for him is just like a natural call of fate. So we listen to music every day. My mom and father, they put music every weekend. You go to school morning, afternoon you have a break, you go back home, eat food in your home, sleep and go back to school. But all those moments, there was always link with the music or dance at the time. So this is how I start doing dance, not for anything else, just for, for fun. As Simon Abe was finding his passion for dancing in the vibrant rhythms of Cameroon, thousands of miles away in China, a young dancer named Zhang Keiyu was nurturing her own dance career. Born in 1980 in Guiyang, the capital city of southwest China's Guizhou province, Zhang Keiyu was shaped by the natural landscapes and ethnic diversity of her homeland. In 2005, after graduating from the Beijing Dance Academy, she seized on an opportunity to help create Cameroon's National Dance Group, part of a cultural project fostered by China's Ministry of Culture. During the recruitment process, Zhang met Simon Abe, then a lead dancer for a well-known Cameroonian hip-hop group. His talent struck her immediately. He was all in blue, even his hat, a lake blue. I thought, what style? He's so cool. We played classical violin music to challenge him. When he started popping to the melody, we were amazed. The violin's melody was pure and clean, and he matched it perfectly with his dance. We know popping requires a kind of vibration, but he combined his body movements with the classic melody in a brilliant way. The collision of body and music shook me. I knew then, he's definitely a genius. The two soon discovered a deep attraction to one another. They managed to find a connection that transcended culture, language and all other barriers. A shared passion for dancing. We found a resonance in dance. At that time, he didn't speak English and I was still learning. We had almost no verbal communication. Our connection was entirely through dance. We just knew we were destined to be together. Dance is just uh, is the, the language of spirit. People just think dance is a movement, but dance is actually not movement. The movement are only the, the expression of dance. Dance is a kind of a language that we have inside of us. It's a kind of feeling, it's a kind of uh, universal uh, language. I'll say it's uh, the language of soul. That language don't need uh, words. Janko Yu infused Cameroon's national dance group with her modern dance philosophy, emphasizing physical form and emotional resonance. This allowed her to easily blend African elements, preserving local traditions.
舞蹈其实一直是让我不断。Dance has always been a way for me to understand the world. When I had the opportunity to go to Cameroon in my twenties, it became a pivotal moment in shaping my life and worldview. What I saw was a different world, leading to new insights. I realized that many people have misunderstandings about dance, thinking all Africans must be good at it, but it was not about skill. It's about using the body to express joy and feelings without any limitations in their minds. They allow their inner feelings to flow through their bodies. Janka Yu collaborated with Cameroonian dance artists, including Simon, to choreograph and perform the dance piece "Beauty of Black" during the African Night at the 2008 Beijing Olympics. A stunning fusion of modern and African dance, it was the group's unique contribution to the Olympic festivities. Yet the relationship between Zhang and Abe was tested. Zhang had to leave Cameroon after the program ended in 2009, while Abe moved to France to continue his performance career. But their passion for dance firmly bonded them together. In 2012, they crafted the dance piece "Dislocation." A dance piece reflecting their struggles with urban, mental, and cultural shifts. Zhang says the creative process was not without its challenges. But actually, we want to express that many times, when two people are together, it's not always clear that your ideas are consistent. What we wanted to express is the complexity of being together, even in close relationships. People's thoughts aren't always aligned. The creative process almost led us to a fight. In Cameroon, Simon was very differential to me, as I was his dance teacher and guide. But when we embarked on a creation as equals, our true personalities clashed, leading to what we termed dislocation. However, upon completing the performance. We recognized our distinctiveness and the fascinating experience of dancing and choreographing together. The finished piece resonated with texture and freshness, symbolizing a vibrant and unexpected collision. Their honest exploration of their true selves and their relationship, marked by conflicts and eventual resolution, set the stage for Simon's proposal. After years of struggling with time, space, and cultural differences, they finally got married in 2012. The couple worked together after they got married, collaborating with dance artists from China, France, and Cameroon. They became regular performers at various international arts festivals and cultural exchange events, including the Forum on China-Africa Cooperation and the performances at the 2012 London Olympics. The couple's contributions to Sino-African friendship extend beyond performance. In 2016, they launched an art platform called Body Boulevard, aiming to promote African culture and building a grassroots bridge between China and Africa. On a summer afternoon, Simon is leading a group of children in a suburban Beijing village, rehearsing street dance. A joyous atmosphere filling the room. In 2017, 
The couple found a house in the outskirts and transformed it into a rehearsal hall, painting it all purple. It became a landmark in the village, affectionately known as the Purple House. The children are local residents or students from nearby schools. 38-year-old father Gung An, whose son has danced with Simon for three years, is delighted with the change he's seen in his child. Simon is full of energy. His dance goes beyond mere moves or skills. It's a natural passion, like he's dancing with his very soul. My son used to be quite shy, but I've seen him nourished by Simon's teachings. He'll even spend hours at home practicing the moonwalk, a joyous achievement for a nine-year-old. I'm sure this experience will stick with him, shaping his growth. In the eyes of the children, this teacher from Africa has an endless charm. Simon is cool and always brings joy, making everyone feel comfortable. With Simon, I learn to cooperate better with my peers. He makes me feel relaxed, like a friend. Simon's openness helped me feel at ease during our practice. Though I used to be reserved, his guidance allowed me to explore different aspects of myself, making me more confident. As Simon builds his connections with Chinese people, Zhang is deepening hers with Africa. Although Chinese and African dance cultures may seem very different, in some respects they can be very similar. Zhang notes that African dance shares certain commonalities with the dances of China's ethnic minorities. In African culture, a lot of their dance comes from nature, a connection with the earth. It's like feeling the rhythm of the land. We have something similar in China, especially in the dances of our ethnic minorities. Whether it's modern dance or traditional, it's about grounding ourselves and linking with nature. All forms of dance emphasize connection with the land. Simon says that finding connections and creating links is the starting point of modern dance. Uh, first, uh, it's uh, connecting with the past. Connecting with the past is very important for uh, being aware of where we come from. I'm taking time in China because I want to, when I will do the creation, I want to all the creation that I will be doing be able to touch people that are around and people around the world. You have to do the creation according to where you are and what you're seeing and really connect with the people. The couple, Simon and Zhang Keiyu, are dedicated to conveying their philosophy to the masses. Apart from professional stages, they've begun to connect with common people in villages, inspiring a renewed interest in dance through their actions. Now, they've made it a point to dedicate one day each week during non-performance periods to collaborate with ordinary people in creating dance works. In this way, they strive to embody a more genuine and creative way of life. In a village factory, amateur dancers take to the floor contorting their bodies into shapes that mimic rivers, clouds, and anything they wish to convey through movement. They explore themselves freely with physical gestures. 
suddenly, one person begins to sing. Later, others join in, their voices harmonizing in a beautiful impromptu chorus. It's an unscripted, spontaneous melody that seems to emerge from the body. Together, they create music on the spot, the sound emanating from within, each voice a unique note in a symphony only they can write. 48-year-old Yu Bo expresses her sense of acceptance and liberation here. Simon gives us full freedom. As an adult, I wear many hats in life and work, and sometimes I feel confined to these roles. But here, I feel completely open. Every time I'm with Simon, I feel my inner energy is ignited. Despite having no dance background, I accept my clumsiness in that moment and open up my body's limitations, putting aside all judgments. You just accept yourself in that moment. During a break, the group gathers together, laughing and discussing their next creative ideas. Among them is 46-year-old Zhang Ping. Sitting on the floor with her 86-year-old mother, after her father's passing, her mother began to show signs of Alzheimer's. One day, while watching the group rehearse in the countryside, she spontaneously joined in, mimicking the dancers' movements. Zhang Ping, surprised but delighted, decided to include her mother in the rehearsals. Simon told me that in their family, the grandmother was an extraordinary figure. When I brought my mother here, Simon danced with her, calling her mom. As time passed, she considered him one of the closest people to her, even calling him by my father's pet names. This elderly mother, once confused and often failing to recognize people, now smiles more. Zhang says it's genuine care that awakened her happy memories. Dance touches the heart because it resonates with emotions that we all know. I feel Simon and Ke Yu use their souls, their sincerity, to unlock this power. Sincerity has great strength, especially for those not accustomed to expressing through their bodies. With a good guide, the energy can be immense. For Simon, dance is always the best way to perceive himself and connect with others. Dance for me is a, it's a way of living. It's the expression of soul and spirit. It's to really make peace with yourself, clean your inside, and let those things go so that you can become, I'm soft, I feel relaxed. I can finally see the light in me. I, can, I love myself. I do that because myself and being aware of myself. Because when you are aware of everything that you do, aware of what you're doing and saying, the power can come out because it's illness and it can touch people. But it comes from inside. This insight to link with what you take, what you discover, you're actually freeing your, your in, you're opening the gate inside of you. Beyond connecting with villagers, the couple has also brought their African friends into the fold. On the third floor of the Purple House, Danila Linda, 
leads a group of young girls in learning ballet, speaking proficient Chinese. As a former member of the Cameroon National Dance Troupe, she came to Beijing to study after the project ended. Over the past decade, her expat life in China has grown along with her friendship with Simon and his wife. Now, she plays an essential role in their dance group. We are like a family. We are like something like I bring what I, I have, we all together and then we create. We bring something together in each other's life. Our things is always linked to really give a good interpretation about the culture of China and the culture of Cameroon. We are always connected. I always connected with Chinese culture. Like I always connect my Chinese friend with African culture for us to really understand the two cultures and how uh, beautiful. The world is, is like a basket of fruits. We have a banana, we have pineapple, we have everything it's like a fruit salad. Like every culture has its own flavor. A culture is what identify people. Together, they continue to weave a tapestry of connection through creation, touching lives and opening doors. In October 2017, the couple welcomed their first child, Yujian Abe. Two years later, their daughter, Yumei Abe, joined the family. It's 5 p.m. and Zhang Yu is on her way to a traditional Chinese private Confucius school in a nearby village. Known as Se Shu, these schools emphasized the teaching of classical literature and traditional values, and were often the place where children received their foundational education. Zhang was there to pick up her six-year-old son. The boy runs to his mother, bows to his teacher, and heads out the door, showing the traditional Chinese respect for mentors. Outside, he playfully climbs onto his mother's scooter. Zhang Yu shares her hope for her children's education. Chinese classical studies represent a shared human wisdom. I want my children to grasp these classics, to immerse themselves in different cultural atmospheres, recognizing that learning and seeing are equally important. I emphasize the concept of a global village, where we are part of a community sharing the same destiny. Like practicing Tai Chi, one follows along, naturally developing a sense of the knowledge needed. This reflects a profound Eastern philosophy, deeply ingrained in our culture. Simon voices his agreement, pointing out that Chinese and African cultures share many philosophies and traditional wisdom. Tao, Tao, the book Tao, when I read some of them, things to really the science and the philosophy in Africa is really linked. That's what people they say. People think we are we are supposed to work with the nature. It's not to control the nature or to be the boss of the nature. No, we are a part of nature. Take care of the nature is taking ourselves. Being a part of nature is being a kind of harmony with ourselves. So those philosophies are linked. Actually, when you listen to Tao books, it's the same. In Africa, it's the same. He believes that sending his children to learn traditional Chinese culture will nourish their lives. It's important to know the root because when the root is powerful, the, the leaves and the tree will grow naturally. This couple's shared understanding of cultural wisdom and deep connection to nature 
shape not only their family life, but also their impact on the community. Another day in the small village. Zhang Keyu just finished teaching local children drama and dance. On her way home, she's planning something special, a tree mural on her house's outer wall. I used to have two trees outside my house. They're gone now, and I felt lost. A friend suggested painting one on the wall, and that simple idea inspired me. We can even invite our neighbors and friends to join in the painting, together planting a tree on the wall. Zhang found Li Hua Meng, a painter living in a nearby village, and their ideas instantly meshed. Great art is larger than the artist. Just like the improvisational dance, I let my painting grow naturally, without preconceptions. Painting, in a way, becomes like dance. Day by day, the wall began to bloom. Friends, neighbors, even strangers added their touch. Colors blended, shapes formed, and in just a couple of days, a living tree emerged. Around the tree, insects, butterflies, colorful flowers, birds, small animals, and all the elements of nature people love filled the wall. It became a thriving scene created by everyone. The painting was not just a local community's creation, it was a vivid metaphor for the global connections growing around them. Simon says while there is growing interest in African culture among the Chinese, there remains room for expansion in non-governmental exchanges. If you build a relation between people and that you make that relation stronger by exchanging a lot of things about culture, cultural communication, then you make that relation strong because we build things that will make a lot of understanding between the culture and the people and the relation and the friendship will be powerful. The couple says their future plan is to continue building bridges among people through art. If artists come, people will come to see what African artists are proposing in China and the people in Africa will see what Chinese artists are proposing in Africa then you can create a kind of really connection and communication that will be, can stay for a thousand and thousand years. The next step is to cultivate this connection, to grow alongside the art, allowing more people to experience both the uniqueness and the universality of different cultures. The golden sunset casts a warm glow on the village houses, illuminating the mural with a life of its own. Janka Yu stands before the flourishing scene, reflects on the past and future. Sometimes I feel like during the past decade, we were planting seeds before, doing what felt right. Now we're nurturing, growing together. With that, we conclude this episode of Footprints. Thanks for listening. Special thanks to our reporter, Lu Chang. I'm Bob Jones. If you're interested in hearing more episodes of our new series, Connected, find us wherever you get your podcasts. Just key in Footprints and you can find more stories anytime, anywhere. We'll see you next time. Bye for now.
The Beijing Hour Roundtable Headline News World Today Footprints Deep Dive Takeaway Chinese The Chap Lounge Sideline Story Climate Watch I would like to wish you Happy Chinese Happy New Chinese Year Happy New Chinese Year. New Year Happy Chinese New Year Hey there, I'm your host Wang Zihang Dou Hongyu This is Tian Yu This is Zhou Fang with The Beijing Hour For the Year of the Chinese Dragon 祝大家龙年大吉,诸事顺意 May you soar to new heights and achieve great success in your career I wish you the grace of startled swan and the wandering dragon in 2024 Hello guys, I'm your host Tian Lu with the headline news May your path be illuminated by the dragon's courage and mighty strength What's up everybody, it's Yu Shun from Roundtable Hi guys, this is Li Yi Xing Yu with Roundtable for the year of the Chinese dragon. I wish you a new year filled with strength, good health, prosperity, vitality, joy, success, and exciting adventures. Be great and unstoppable as a dragon soaring through the oceans. This is Niu Honglin from Roundtable and Takeaway Chinese. I wish you a vibrant and energetic start to this great year of the long, happy year of the dragon. Hey, this is Ding Han. Anna. This is Zhao Ying. This is Xu Yawe with World today, wishing you success in everything you do in the year of the dragon. May you have good fortune, wisdom, strength, endless moments of bliss, great success, and a bright future. Hello guys, this is Brandon Yates. This is Yang Guan with the Sideline Story as we usher in the year of the Chinese dragon. I would like to wish you a happy, healthy, and prosperous year ahead. Hey there, it's Yu Shan from Footprints. May your days be adorned with joy, prosperity, and good spirits. Hello, I'm Jane with Takeaway Chinese. May this auspicious year bring you abundant opportunities. Hi, this is Zhu Yun. May you find the hidden dragon in yourself in the year of the Chinese dragon. Be there with me at the chat lounge. Hey guys, this is Gao Junya, host of Climate Watch. This is Li Yunqi with the podcast Deep Dive. I wish the year of the Chinese dragon brings you strength, courage, and fiery passion. An abundance of good fortune and joy in the Chinese New Year. In 2024. Takeaway Chinese, where you can take some Chinese away and experience progress day by day. Takeaway Chinese, we will promise you a difference. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Roundtable, coming to you live from Beijing. From Beijing. Roundtable. 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 Connecting China and the world. We bring you fun and timely discussions about what's affecting our lives everywhere, every day. Tune in to Roundtable, where the East meets the West, and understanding is the goal. From North to South, East to West, people in China are chasing their dreams and leaving their mark. Want to know how they beat the odds and made a difference? Footprints brings you the true life stories of their journeys. 